I'm Lauren Walsh, CEO and resident girl boss at one of the leading boutique branding and marketing agencies that empowers thought leaders and change makers to live out their why and achieve their wildest dreams. Over the years, I've personally found freedom in figuring out how to combine my passion, purpose, and skill to make an impact and leave a legacy. Follow along as I share the ins and outs of my life that has been a testament to a multitude of work, overcoming a heck of a lot of adversity, and the perfect addition of God's grace. I hope you find truth, wisdom, and advice that empowers you to make the necessary changes in your life and start taking action on those dreams. Today I'm going to go ahead and just jump right in. It was on my heart to put this out there, so I pray that if your heart needs to hear it, that you welcome it with open arms. It is no question that it's a tough time in our country. We all know it. We've all been affected by it in some way or another. And as hard as it is, as tired as some of us are, it's a blessing. Because people are waking up. Not everyone, but some. For me, part of this awakening has been twofold. One, the pandemic has forced me out of my comfort zone and into a place that has required massive innovation. And two, it has stretched me to want to be a part of the change that has been necessary in this world, in this country, in this society for a very, very long time. You're probably wondering where the title of this episode came in. And it was actually a question that was posed to me last week during a deep conversation about racial injustice. For those who don't know, I launched an e-course right about the time that George Floyd was killed and all of the protests began. And as I watched people post their black squares, share their quotes, and seek out organizations to donate to, I felt it on my own heart to be called to be a part of the change. But the real change, the real deep change to actually try to make a difference and move the needle. So as I went back and forth on whether to go forward with the start date or to postpone it a week or two, I prayed long and hard and committed to moving forward with whatever ended up feeling right. And as the last spot in the course was filled without any additional posts on social media, I felt that God had called me to move forward but with an added layer. So we ordered the books White Fragility and Code of the Streets for every single member of the course and implemented a weekly conversation to be led by black women on the basis of racial injustice. No question or topic was off the table. We encouraged the women to ask the hard questions. We encouraged our black leaders to call us out when our questions or comments could be viewed as racist. And we committed to taking what we learned from each conversation and sharing it with at least one person outside the group each week. I just wrapped up my second course and that same discussion about race, systemic racism, and injustice happened every single week. And just last week, while we shared opinions of what was happening in Wisconsin, across the country, and in the NBA, one of the women posed a question to me and asked how I will feel about all of this if our son, who's just weeks away from being born, comes out with dark skin and therefore could very much be any of these black men 
who we've talked about, who in some way or another died for the color of their skin. I shared that it's something that has crossed my mind, especially because we've seen how amazing yet unpredictable genetics can be when we look at our daughter, who despite the fact that she has light skin and blonde hair is biracial. And all of the people who love to comment on her bright blue eyes and beautiful curly hair and then throw in that she's so tan all the time always have a very interesting look when I'm very quick to tell them where it all came from. So I've thought about it and I know that there's a good chance that her son could look completely different and he could very much have very dark skin. And so the truth is that I've thought about it more times than I can count. And I think about it every single time my husband tells me he's going out for a run late at night. But I've also thought about something deeper. About the complete lack of care and compassion for human beings in general. That feels like it's become somewhat of the norm. Because just as much as I worry about my husband and about our son, I worry about our world, about the type of society that we have to raise our children in. And what often bothers me the most about so many of the issues that we face is the idea that we are surrounded by people who refuse to step up, refuse to be a part of the change. Now, don't take offense because I'm not saying that's you, but I'm sure that you know at least one, if not a few of these people. It's the people who have the opportunity to break the cycle and don't. The people who choose to live life a certain way simply because that's how they were raised. It's 2020. We all have cell phones. We're all privy to what goes on in the world. We know that there are opportunities to educate ourselves, to be better. We know that there are people in our own offices who look and think different than we do. But yet, how many people are willing to step up and seek them out? To want to be around people who don't look like them. To understand their thoughts and where they came from. To understand what it feels like to be a part of today's society. Being the way that they are and being who they are. To offer up grace to those who have been subject to racism. To be a safe space where someone can confide. What's sad to me is that it's become so much about Democrat and Republican, left and right, black and white, being for or against the police. And when we're all focused On picking a side, we're missing the fact that the deeper issue lies in caring about people. I've seen people on social media going crazy over the fact that Jacob Blake has a criminal record. There's even the police scanner audio that came out that says that he was on the premise of someone's property where he wasn't supposed to be and may have taken their keys. And while these people want to push this narrative... They're missing another important piece, which is the fact that no one is talking about who is going to fund the therapy sessions 
for the three kids in the car who saw their father get shot. Whether he was doing something wrong or not, that is human life. That is trauma on those children that can't be erased. Trauma that will show up down the line in ways that you can't even begin to explain. And yet we're so focused on the issues, but we don't want to go to the root. Maybe Jacob Blake grew up in a family where there was violence and drugs. And it's all that he knew. And he didn't have the resources or maybe even the courage or the idea to know where to begin to break the cycle. And so it continued. And then those kids have had to be exposed at no fault of their own. And so it continues. Look, the statistics are absolutely true. I get it. I'm from Chicago, the city, the South Side, in fact, where it's clear that the majority of drug-related incidents, killings, and teen pregnancy happen within the minority population. But who's doing anything about it? Who's going in and empowering individuals to break the cycle? And why in the world are these people so much worse than the things that plague, let's say, white households? Do you think that Irish Catholic families who watch alcoholism run its course from generation to generation are any better than a lineage of minority families who maybe have had drugs or homicides running through their family tree? I'm sorry, but one is not better than the other. And last time I checked in the Bible, sin is sin. So when will we get it? When will we step back and realize that we are all interconnected? We all want to sit in our glass houses and throw stones at everyone else when the reality is that it takes each and every person to choose to break their own cycle that they're faced with, that their family has faced for generations. Stop using the excuse that you grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood and never had a black friend so you don't know what to do right now. Go and talk to someone who doesn't look like you. If you don't know where to start, ask me. Especially if you're a parent. You have the opportunity to be part of the change. Growing up, my first best friend's name was Lisa. And we met on the first day of preschool. To me, Lisa was everything. She was kind, we loved the same toys, and we got along. Lisa was also Asian. And I will never forget to this day when extended family members would make jokes about inviting Lisa over to dinner for Chinese food. Still to this day, I remember that. I remember how much it hurt my feelings, how much I knew in my gut that it wasn't right to laugh about it. I was also four years old. When will you decide to step up? When will you force yourself to do the hard things, to break the cycle, to realize that black lives matter and that there actually is something that you can do about it? I'd usually wrap up by asking you to subscribe and leave five stars, but honestly, I just want you to take some time to think and then to pray. Pray for Jacob Blake's kids and their mental health for years to come. Pray for every single victim of racism, every single life that has been lost. For Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, their families, the officers who killed them the officer's children and their children, whether innocent or not, pray for all of them. And then pray for your own heart and for your courage.
Ask God to give you the strength to do something and then do it. I love you.